Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it. for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Hunter Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to put a bow on the 2023 recruiting class for the Tar Heels. And it's it's really, uh, you know, most people may be saying, well, why do you have to do that? Carolina didn't sign anybody else in the 2023 class after the early signing period. And you would be right, Carolina was done, and we heard as, as much from Mac Brown when he was breaking down the early signing class back in December. But we do have you know a guy on with us here today, Andrew Ivins from 24-7 Sports. He is their director of recruiting, uh, and he is going to stop by with us here in a little bit to sort of break down Carolina's class and tell you about you know some of the elements of it. Also, talk a little bit about you know Carolina dropping from having a top 16 class for each of the last three classes before this one uh, to the 28th overall class. Uh, what kind of an impact does that have? And uh, he does have a little bit of a scoop. He, he told me in the interview, you'll hear it, that he is not really a big scoop guy, but he has talked to one of Carolina's biggest, most important targets in the 2023 class, and there is hope that the Tar Heels can land his commitment, really likes what he heard about the Tar Heels. So make sure you stick around for that. We do have to start out this episode, though, by talking about Mac Brown, the head coach of the Tar Heels, getting an extension through the 2028 season that was announced earlier today by the football program. Mac Brown did release a statement saying he was uh, extremely grateful 
um, for you know Bubba Cunningham and uh, many others throughout the athletic department uh, for helping him to be successful here and uh, is looking forward to taking another step. There is work to do this offseason uh, here as they prepare for that 2023 season. Uh, Mac Brown now five years remaining on that contract. It, it seems like this is kind of just what you expect. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I was talking with a coworker earlier today, and I thought he brought up a great point. I can't really remember the last time that you had a lame duck college football coach. They entered a season where they were heading into their final year of their contract. Really, you know, with college football coaches, you're either fired or you retire. Uh, It's one of the two, or you step away yourself. I I mean, it's really one of those three. Um, And I think, you know, that's kind of the scenario that Mac Brown is in. I do think it's interesting that they did extend him for another year. I think it kind of tells you that in Mac Brown's mind, they're probably, you know, he's probably not yet uh, feeling like he is going to retire anytime soon. Um, and, you know, look, for Carolina, if you look at, you know, the, the success that they've had with him and without him, it's probably a good thing. Uh, there are some questions about the direction of the program right now, and rightfully so after losing four straight to close the season. Um, personally, I'm one of those guys. I brought it up. I've said this reminds me a lot of that 2016 season uh, where, you know, Larry Fedora and his team were even exiting that season feeling pretty good because they had a solid overall record. But it, it felt like, you know, from that point on, really once they lost that game on that Thursday night against Duke, everything sort of headed in the wrong direction. And hopefully that loss to Georgia Tech uh, was not what ultimately turned this thing back in the wrong direction for Tar Heel football. Um, but Mac Brown is going to be here for you know the next five years if he wants due to that contract extension, and we will uh, we will see you know whether or not he is able to play out that tenure. He is 71 years old currently, so uh, would be 76. Uh, in January of 2028, when that contract does expire, but uh, the Tar Heels uh, once again showing uh, you know recruits, transfers, uh, all that kind, you know, all, all those different uh, people around college football uh, that he is not close to retiring just yet. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back. We will let you hear our interview with Andrew Ivins, 24-7 Sports, the director of scouting there. He stopped by with us earlier today. Somehow he was able to fit us into his schedule. You don't want to miss that coming up on this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast back right after this. The stage is set and we're counting down to the battle in Arizona. There's no better way to get ready for the NFL action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your Super Bowl 57 winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Guys, You know I'm going to be jumping in, especially on some of these prop bets. I saw the line for touchdowns in this game for Patrick Mahomes currently set at one and a half, easily taking that prop bet. May even have to jump in on a little action for Hassan Reddick as the MVP of this game at plus 3,500. I may have to jump in on that. There's so many other great bets 
on the website at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions applied. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. There are plenty of ways to find out everything that you need to know about Tar Heel football and basketball. Just go to Facebook, search at Heel Tough Blog, and find the Heel Tough Blog Facebook page and like it. When you do everything, the articles, the podcast, all in one central location on your timeline. Not a big Facebook user? Head over to Twitter. At Heel Tough Blog on Twitter, make sure you give it a follow, and you can follow the personal pages of our talents here at the Heel Tough Blog, at HTB Anthony for Anthony Pagnata, myself at HTB underscore Josh for Josh Marlowe, and at Hack Zubber two for our recruiting analyst Zach Hubbard. Hey guys, welcome back into the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Anthony Pagnata here with you guys, and we are talking to Andrew Ivins, the scouting director for uh, the director of scouting for 24-7 Sports. Uh, he is joining us after a crazy day yesterday. And Andrew, uh, first of all, man, I wanted to uh, tell you, you know, I was watching a little bit of your coverage yesterday. I know, you know, signing day is not quite the same as it used to be, the the, the early signing day. A little bit more jam-packed. Uh, but I thought you, uh, as well as uh, your colleagues over there at 24-7 Sports, uh, did a tremendous job uh, throughout the day. Uh, Blair and Gulo, uh, Emily Proud, you guys were tremendous yesterday and uh, loved your coverage, man. I had to hit you up and get you here on the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. You know, uh, only 5% of really the player pool was unsigned coming into the day. Just crazy because I think we're in year five or six of the early signing period. And, and, and this is the one where it affected the traditional national signing day the most. I mean, there were still some big fish out there, but a lot of hay was already in the barn for pretty much everyone. I think only out of our top 100 great transfers, only one of them was uncommitted coming into the day. So wasn't a lot to talk about, but we try to hit on every power five school during our broadcast and just recap what they did on the trail. And I think we got through all 65. Well, look, and you, you know, went in and broke down the Tar Heel class. And, you know, the first thing that I really want to ask you here is, look, the Tar Heels on the recruiting trail the last few years have been extremely successful. That's been the one area where people really haven't been able to question Mac Brown and his staff. But this year, you know, a little bit of a step back. And I think some of us kind of saw that coming based on what happened in 2021 with the team. But is this something that Carolina fans should be a little bit concerned about? Because they do go from having three straight top 16 classes, according to 24-7 Sports, to having the 28th overall class. So is this something that Tar Heel fans you know, maybe should, should keep an eye on here heading into 2024? 
My, my kind of big picture theory when it comes to the roster building and the roster management, and it's, it's changing now with the transfer portal and how much movement there is, is you got to continue to stack top 25 recruiting classes, right? That's kind of the name of the game. You're only as good as your, your backups at, at certain positions. And you, you know how the football season goes by week eight. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are out with injuries and, and the injury bug can hit more than, than other years. So what I, what I mean is I think you can get away with the class being outside the top 25, but the next year you got to come back strong and, North Carolina, they're going to have one of the top quarterbacks in all of college football. Um, and, and there's going to be some excitement around that program. So I think they need to have success on the field. That'll help them in the 2024 cycle. So can get back on track. But this is still a talented group. I mean, it's, it's number four in the ACC. And, and let's not forget the college football playoff is expanding to 12 teams. So uh, the, the path to uh, the race for the title is expanding and you don't, there, there's a, you don't have that, uh, not, not as slim of a margin uh, for error or, or I, I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's easier to get to the dance is what I'm saying. Yeah. So this group, uh, you know, still has some of those pieces, you know, it should allow them to remain competitive in the ACC and, you know, to stack a good class in 24. Yeah, and and that's the hope. You know, the one other thing, you know, big picture is, look, the state of North Carolina, as you mentioned, Carolina's got, you know, uh, one of the biggest, uh, you know, quarterbacks uh, in the 2024 class, uh, arguably could end up being the number one quarterback, although Dylan Riola is kind of head and shoulders above everybody else, but really a, a close second or third. You know, but the state, they, they had to fight off some outside teams, didn't do a great job with that in terms of the real highbrow guys in the state. I mean, they, they did land a couple of guys uh, that are pretty significant that sort of headline the class. But in, in terms of, you know, doing what Mac Brown talks so much about, which was protecting the state of North Carolina... You know, do you think that the success of Georgia, uh, Notre Dame coming into the state, do you think that that's an area where people should should be a little concerned about when it comes to the Tar Heels moving forward? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, Georgia, what, they're not that far away from Charlotte, and, and Georgia's at the, the leader in the clubhouse right now, back-to-back titles. They're going to go wherever they want, and they're going to get their guys unless they're they're battling Alabama. I mean, they've been coming down to South Florida and, and raiding Miami and those areas for a long time. And that's how they built some championship rosters. So I think you just kind of chalk it up. Hey, George is going to be Georgia. Right. And then, and then Noah Rogers, the top ranked player in the state, I mean, he's going to Ohio state and they have a excellent track record right now with wide receivers and, and Brian Hartline there. I mean, if you're a top flight receiver, why would you not want to go play for them? So uh, you, hopefully you try to, flip the script, but some of those ones, I mean, you're, 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 you're fighting an uphill battle uh, from the jump. I think the, the one school that had a surprising year um, and, and it was Tennessee and they get Davian Hobbs, Nathan Leacock, you know, two of the state's top players that that certainly stings. Um, but Josh Heupel, he loses his OC to a head coaching job down there at USF. So maybe that changes some things. Uh, they also lose Hendon Hooker. Um, sure. They brought in Nico Iamalieva. Uh, our number two quarterback, number two overall player, but it's going to take him some time before he's ready to go. So I think if you're a North Carolina fan, like kind of kind of root for Tennessee to take a step back here in, in 2023 on the field. 
Yeah, well, considering some of the Vols fans that many Toriel fans have probably interacted with, I don't think that'll be too difficult. But, you know, when you look at this class that Carolina brought in, and you guys were talking a little bit about it yesterday, you know, what what do you like about this class that Carolina is bringing in? I think the thing that, you know, really stood out to me the most was they went out and got some more playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, primarily Chris Culliver. But I think, you know, they did a really good job at addressing a spot where they still need some help at the edge rusher position. Right. Let's start with Chris Culliver. And he's a guy where I'm sure a lot of your listeners are like, well, you had him as a three-star throughout most of the process. And by the time his film got to me and how it kind of works for us is we have regional analysts and they kind of run their states and we're always double-checking each other. But when me and another guy came across Culliver, and I probably watched as many wide receivers as anyone in our group nationally, I was like, how is this kid not in our, our top 247? And, and the way our top 247 is structured is if, if you're in there, we think you're, you're, you're going to be drafted at some point down the line. Obviously, we're not going to bat 100%, but we think you have that type of talent. And Chris Culver, you know, he's, he's 11.04 in the 100-meter dash, so he's got that long speed. You would like to see it under the 11-second mark, but I'm not concerned about that. And then you watch what he does on the basketball court. Uh, he runs up and down, and, and, and he can attack the rim. I love that at the wide receiver position. Um, look at the Senior Bowl it, it, that's going on this week. A lot of the wide receivers there were prolific basketball players at the high school level. I, I think it helps with spatial awareness, uh, just the ability to track the football, um, box people out. So I love to see that in receivers. So, so Chris Culver checking off two big boxes there. And then what he did as a senior, I mean, 80 catches, 1,800 yards, um, 26 receiving touchdowns, also played a little defense, had five interceptions. I mean, he, he was just a monster. And I think he makes life post-Josh Downs a lot easier for the Tar Heels. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm not too familiar with UNC's too deep, but he's someone I, I would anticipate has a chance to get on the field. It's somewhat easier for wide receivers. Wide receivers and running backs as freshmen always seem to kind of work their way into the lineup. And Chris Culliver is definitely the headliner for me in this group. Yeah, I mean, look, he's definitely got to navigate some guys there. Uh, I think, you know, they do bring in a couple of transfers as well. I mean, he's not going to play in the slot. He's going to play on the outside. But Devontae Walker is probably the guy uh, that he would have to be able to beat out for uh, a starting job. And, and, you know, some of the depth guys, I think, you know, you're looking at a guy like Andre Green Jr. Uh, but I think the thing with him is, you know, when I watched him, I, I thought he was a guy that could do some things similar to De'Ami Brown and, and really get this Toriel offense back to an explosive one, which I think they will need to be at times under Chip Lindsey. You know, one of the other guys that I I think, you know, I I saw you guys talking about yesterday, and I'm really on board with your guys' thinking on this one. I thought Jordan Louie was a tremendous addition to this class for Carolina. Um, He was kind of a late addition, a guy that ranked, you know, uh, right around the 500s range overall for you guys. But when I watched him, there's just so many different things that he can do, you know, both on the ground and, and catching the football as well out of the backfield. It reminded me a little bit of what we saw from Carolina back in that 2020 season where they went to the Orange Bowl where they had so much success with that backfield. What do you think about him as a prospect and what he could potentially become? Yeah, Blair Angulo, uh, my, my, my 
co-host or co-analyst on our show. He he wanted to talk Jordan Louie. He, he loves him, and it's a former West Virginia commit that uh, had the SEC looking at him in December. You know, Bandy was there. Kentucky was there. He also took a visit to, to Florida State at one one point during the process. And uh, from a testing standpoint, he uh, passes with flying colors in the 90th percentile and so many key different metrics, 4-2 in the shuttle, 6-9-3 in the, in the three-cone drill. Um, I think you hit it on the head there in terms of him being a, a three down back that can do a little bit of everything. He can bang between the tackles. He has that extra gear once he gets to the second level and he's a shifty guy and he can also catch the ball out of the backfield. And, you know, yeah, he's a three-star for us. He's a three-star in the industry. And again, you know, the way our rankings are set up is we're, we're using the NFL draft kind of as our compass. And, and when you look at just the, the value of the running back position at the NFL level right now, I mean, it's kind of at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, he was a seventh round pick and, and it seems like a lot of teams are realizing, Hey, we can get guys later in the draft. So for us, we're always going to have some, some highly ranked running backs, but a bulk of our guys are going to be in that upper three-star range. And that's where, where Jordan Louie is. So uh, I think he can make an impact in 2023. I mean, I don't know how big his role could be, but I'll say this pro football focus. I think they graded uh, the top 15 true freshmen this past season in, in 2022, and like 10 of them are running backs. I mean, true freshman running backs play. So Jordan Louie, if his number is called, I definitely think he can make a difference there in the ACC. Well, let's talk. You you mentioned yesterday when you guys were breaking down this class, you talked about the Carolina really liking the two defensive back commits that they got that they flipped from East Carolina and I think that's an area where Tar Heel fans are are, are really hoping that we can get some impact guys right now because they did have four guys at the cornerback spot that left through the portal two other guys at the safety position that left so it's a spot where I think some Tar Tar Heel fans are a little bit concerned about you know maybe they don't need guys that are immediate impacts but they need guys that are able to play and play soon just in case because of depth and all that kind of stuff. So when you look at Ty Adams and Aiden Duncanson, why do you think that you know the, the team is is that high on these guys? Love the athletic profiles for for both of them. They're and they're each a little bit different in the sense of, of measurables. Aiden Duncanson more of a lanky, I think safety type. Maybe you can put him in the slot in certain situations when you need a matchup. Ty Adams, he's under six foot, uh, but his ability to change directions and, and foot speed is awesome. And the similarities between those two, um, there's a, a lot of them. They're both from the state of Georgia. They're both committed to East Carolina. Uh, for Steve Ellis, who was there, he got hired at Louisville. Uh, but he's a great defensive backs coach. I actually know him pretty well. And when they got Ty Adams and, and Aiden Duncanson, he said, watch, the power five is going to come for these guys. And, and sure enough, they eventually did. I think UNC flipped both of them during the season. But what I like is they both played quarterback in some capacity uh, on Friday nights. Ty Adams led his team deep into the Peach State playoffs. Uh, Aiden Duncanson, he did a little bit of everything, but, but was under center at, at times. And we've seen so many success stories of guys making that transition from quarterback to defensive back. And I think the ability to read a defense allows them to also read an offense. And I was talking to someone in Chapel Hill and they, 
they said those are two of the kind of maybe the hidden gems or, or, or guys they're excited about because they think they're just scratching the surface of, of their potential. Biggest thing will be getting them on campus, getting them in the workout program, and you know just just getting them coached up, getting getting them seasoned and working on the technical stuff. But I, I do like both of them. I did watch a ton of DBs uh, right before the early signing period in Georgia. I think it's a really, really deep class in the state. Ty Adams, Aiden Duncanson, two guys I moved up, uh, and two of I think some of the, some of the best in that in that in that region. So uh, the last thing I'll ask you here before we let you go and finally hopefully get a little bit of rest for yourself. I mean, you you were recording a podcast before this, man. You're just a machine. You know, when you look at this class, you talked about Ty Adams and Aiden Dungan, some guys that might be underrated that people need to know. Is there another sleeper in this class that you really like? I mean, there were there were a couple of guys to me. I mean, Jordan Louie, who we talked about, also a big Robert Grigsby guy personally. Is there somebody else that you really liked in this class and think maybe people aren't talking enough about i do like robert grigsby as well he's a uh, a big big trench bully right there in, in the middle I view him as an interior offensive lineman comes from a great program in, in north cobb or uh, outside of atlanta I, I agree with your assessment think he's someone that could be a multi-year starter if you can avoid those setbacks a little bit more difficult for linemen to get on the field but he's everything you're kind of looking for um, and, and again, those, those Georgia programs, I mean, uh, North Cobb, I mean, they're lifting weights, they're coached well. Uh, those guys are traditionally ready to go sooner rather than later. Uh, the one I'll highlight is Julian Randolph, uh, tight end. Um, you know, our, our analyst, Brian Doan, who, who has the Tar Heel State, you know, he's like, I heard you mention him on the show. I, I consistently brought him up for a, a bump in the rankings and, he finishes as a as a three star for us. You know our number forty three tight end. Maybe maybe we'll regret that. But talking with different people um, around North Carolina, they seem to be pretty high uh, on Julian Randolph as in terms of what he can do as a pass catcher. I think he's someone you can move him around, create some mismatches there in, in the slot. So. I think he's an addition that probably isn't talked about enough. You talk it, you you brought up, hey, getting more playmakers kind of out on the perimeter. I know he he'll be more inside the hashes, but uh, I would not be surprised if he's running free, uh, making plays for whoever's under center um, at, at at North Carolina. So excited about him as well. Yeah, he could definitely be a good one, man. We saw John Lilly do some work with those tight ends this past year for the Tar Heels. Hey, Andrew, thanks for stopping by with us, man. Uh, We really appreciate it. Uh, Guys, make sure you head over. Follow him on social media at Andrew underscore Ivins, I-V-I-N-S. And make sure you're keeping an eye on 24-7 sports for everything recruiting. Hey, Andrew, thanks so much, man, for carving out some time. I know it's hectic. Uh, this time of year, and uh, I was glad, you know, I'm glad you you were able to come on here and uh, help us break down this recruiting class that might not be ranked as high as some of the other ones, but I think we should still be very excited about. For sure, yeah, and uh, thanks for having me on. Hopefully, we'll talk again. I'll, I'll finish with this. I, I saw Jaden Davis down in down in Orlando uh, last weekend playing seven on seven for Cam's team. You know, I, I'm not as much of a scoop guy anymore, but did get to pick his brain and. Thought he had some interesting things to say about North Carolina. I know he just visited there, so mm. I, I wouldn't count out the Tar Heels in that race. I know everyone's pegging him to Michigan, but uh, he he wants to play for a quarterback or for a coach that uh, 
is involved with the quarterback. So uh, one to keep an eye on for sure. Man, I, 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 you know what? You might be the favorite guest that I've had on here after that one. Not only are you bringing the analysis, you're dropping a little bit of a scoop there at the end to keep people around for the entirety of the episode. I love it. Thanks so much, man. We really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to talk again soon. Appreciate you for having me on. All right. So we want to thank Andrew Ivins for stopping by with us. Really appreciate him for uh, fitting us into his busy schedule. Uh, they did a tremendous job. As I said, uh, if you guys have not seen it, go back, actually look on the 24-7 Sports recruiting page on Twitter. You can scroll down. You'll have to scroll down a little bit, but they have their breakdown of Carolina's 2023 class on there. Uh, I thought they did an outstanding job and really appreciate him uh, you know, giving us a little bit of his time to sort of talk about some of those guys. I really do think, like I said there at the end of the interview, I really think this class for Carolina is a very solid one. On the surface, it's definitely not as impressive as any of the last three classes, maybe even that 2019 class just because of how much the staff had to scramble to put that one together. But there are still some really solid pieces here. You know, we talked about it you know, when we were breaking down the class uh, after the early signing period with me and Zach Hubbard. You know, Chris Culliver, as you heard there, tremendous headliner for this class. A guy that I do think can come in and potentially make an early impact. Although, as we've seen here in recent years for Carolina with the amount of different you know, guys that they have in that receiver room, it really isn't as easy. I do like the two edge rushers, although I do know, I mean, Tyler Thompson, you know, this was a guy that we thought, you know, they originally had him listed as a guy that was at 219 coming out of high school. Well, he was at 200 pounds coming out of high school, so he has to put on a lot of weight. Now, he has done a good job of adding, I think it was 14 pounds the last time that I saw him post something on social media about it, but he's got a ways to go to get his body in the condition to play edge rusher for Carolina. They do have Jabron Harvey as well, so some really good edge rushers, guys that are extremely talented but will have to put on some size, like Joel Starlings in the middle uh, as a four-star defensive lineman. And, I mean, you're talking about, you know, another four-star quarterback for Carolina to build depth. You got another guy that can play in the slot for you at receiver uh, after, you know, potentially Kobe Pesor, um, who who has a chance to play there this year, along with Nate McCollum, the transfer from Georgia Tech. Christian Hamilton, a guy that can probably develop into your next guy there or can play a little bit on the outside for you. Talked about how much I like Jordan Louie. And they've got some really solid pieces, you know, further down in the class. Three corners that I think are really, really solid three-star guys. And Trey Miller, Caleb Cost, and Ty Adams. I like the linebacking group that they got with, you know, a couple of guys that are downhill guys like Caleb Lavalli and Amari Campbell. And then you've got a guy that can drop a little bit into coverage, a little more athletic in Michael Short in the class. Uh, offensive line, two interior offensive linemen that I think are really, really underrated, just aren't talked about enough. Uh, you heard me and, and Andrew talk a little bit about Robert Grigsby, but DJ Geth, big guy that I think, you know, if, if he can, you know, sort of develop a little bit uh, through the coaching of new offensive line coach Randy Clements, has the size to make an impact at some point in his career. And, uh, I mean, that that's the thing for Carolina is just finding these guys. This class, I think, is going to be more about development. 
And that's that's been the challenge for this Tar Heel staff. I think this will show you know how secure you can really feel about this staff moving forward. We have our issues with you know somebody like Tim Cross who is currently on the staff. But look, this year's going to be another chance for him to prove himself. He's got to step up. There's no other way around it. Carolina needs to have more consistent defensive line play there. They need him to be able to develop some guys. And really just throughout the entirety of the team, um, primarily on the defensive side of the football, but include you know also including the offensive line. You have to see Carolina be able to develop guys. This class is going to be one of those classes where they're going to have to prove they can develop people because they don't have as many big four-star uh, blue-chip prospects as they've had in the past. So this will really show you know Carolina's ability to develop players And so it'll be interesting. We'll, of course, keep monitoring this for you guys as we move forward. Plenty of 2024 recruiting talk coming up. Me and Zach Hubbard going to break down the commitments of both Desmond Jackson uh, and Andrew Rosinski, two guys that have uh, committed in the past week for Carolina on the offensive line. Randy Clements already doing some work there for Carolina as they try to get a few guys stacked in that 2024 class and get the ball rolling. Already two commits out of the state of Georgia. We talked about on the last edition of the podcast that we did recruiting-wise with me and Zach about how important the state of Georgia would be in this class. Carolina already making some waves there, and they did, of course, land uh, you know the, the, the Desmond Jackson, a guy that's an in-state prospect as well for Carolina so already getting some momentum here in the home state as they try to uh, really avoid letting some of these other teams invade from the outside as I talked about a little there with Andrew at the beginning of the interview so uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast guys make sure you head over to the website speaking of Desmond Jackson and Andrew Rosinski we have articles up there about both guys make sure you check out both of those we also have you guys covered on everything that's going on with the offseason Mac Brown's extension Ed Montalus's return to Chapel Hill and plenty of other great stuff over there on the website heeltoughblog.com Also, while you're there, make sure you check out the basketball coverage. Carolina suffered a really, really tough loss last night to Pittsburgh. Josh has he covered with that as he tries to figure out what exactly went wrong against the Panthers, and uh, you guys can check that out uh, there. And then, of course, he will have you covered with the Duke game preview. Uh, Ashton is actually going to have a little thing that he's going to do about the history of the rivalry between Carolina and Duke. And then on the back end, Josh will have you covered with the recap. And that kicks off, uh, well, actually last night's loss, unfortunately, kicked off uh, the, the month of February. But a really important stretch coming up here for Carolina as they take on Duke on Saturday night. But then after that, uh, then they have to roll into Wake Forest on Tuesday. They have two ranked matchups at home after that against Clemson, although Clemson will probably fall out of the top 25 after a loss to Boston College. Still a team that's playing pretty well this year, as well as Miami, and plenty of other games down the stretch where Carolina is going to be challenged and Josh will have you covered with that all the way through the end. Also, me and Josh will have you covered on the podcast side of things, the sister podcast, 
for the Four Corners podcast, guys, we just had our most successful month over there. Over 6,400 downloads. Um, unbelievable. I mean, especially to think, you know, the month of January here this year outperformed even March and April of last year uh, when you guys were really, really tuning in to listen. So uh, it just shows, you know, how much you guys have really been enjoying uh, the podcast editions, and we really, really appreciate you guys for that. Uh, we would love to, you know, be able to continue to build off of that as well as build up uh, the Heel Tough blog podcast as well. Um, and make sure uh, if you wherever you listen to either one of those podcasts that you are subscribed, make sure you smash that subscribe button and also – Make sure that you guys rate and review the podcast. Uh, that would help us out as well. That sort of helps us move up in some of those rankings so that people can find us just a little bit easier and they won't have to do as much searching. We would greatly appreciate that. So, once again, we want to thank Andrew Ivins for stopping by with us. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.